all the universe. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> if you would look at Matthew chapter 5. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5. It's time for Children's Church, by the way. If you didn't happen to see that up there. I can see it back there, so that's good. <clears throat> All right. In Matthew chapter 5, we're going to start with verse 13. <clears throat> you are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You know, we've talked in the past about how our area that, that we live in here was once called the valley that changed the world. And how that it can be that once again, not as it relates to a, a physical oil, but to a spiritual oil, so to speak. For the glory and the blessing of God to flow out of this area in such a way that it really will change the world. But before that can happen, this valley needs to be changed. We're, we, we've talked in the past about the specific plan of how we as OCCA can be a part of seeing God's blessing poured out. And drawing all people towards him. There's a sense that we want to be a part of saturating this place uh, uh, with the presence of God. You know, we read verses like this in Numbers 14, 21. But truly as I live, as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. And Habakkuk 2, verse 14. For the earth will be filled with all the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. As the waters cover the sea, may the glory of God, may the presence of Jesus cover over our valley here. Flowing. Flowing in, in, in a sense from what we've already, in a direction of what we've already been given by God. By Jesus himself when he says in Acts 1.8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We are preparing the way of the Lord. To see a world saturated with Christ. From our Jerusalem, to our Judea, to our Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. We're talking about saturating by being salt and light that Matthew 5 is calling us to. To see the light get brighter and brighter until there is no more darkness. And we begin this whole process. How? Through prayer. Prayer that we've been talking about. We've been talking about prayer as it deals with ourselves and our relationship with God. But it's time 
today to take that beyond just ourselves and our solitary time alone with God and recognize that he's called us to prayer outside of our own little circle. We need to go forth in prayer in Christ, followed by a care through Christ, leading to sharing of Christ. To pray. It begins with prayer, then in care, and then in what we share about Jesus himself. We want to pray. Specifically, we want to be able to pray as we think about saturating this whole area for every house in this valley. Beginning in our neighborhood right over here. Every house in this city. Every house in this county. Every house in this valley. Having the blessing of God. Calling the presence of God to move. If we are going to see this valley changed and the world changed through it, it begins in prayer. It begins in us saturating this whole area. Not as some, it may seem like that's impossible, and I have some statistics to share with you at another time that is not even close to being impossible. But guess what? What do we know? All things are possible in Christ. We can do this. Even as we join together to light up our streets. We're talking about here. It is about lighting up our streets, stepping up, stepping out in our own Jerusalem, in our neighborhood, taking the next step and saturating the darkness with light, flooding the love of Jesus to every home. So the message today is really simple. It's just this. Let's light up our streets with prayer first. There's steps beyond this, but we begin here. Matthew 5 talks to us about being salt and light, but then it, he says here, salt loses its saltiness. How can it be salty? Again, it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. How does salt lose its saltiness? There's a number of different ways, but obviously, <clears throat> any of you ever have, uh, <clears throat> I know we used to have as a kid, I don't think, I don't know if we have it, because if we do, I don't know where they are. But we used to have kids like this special set that, would only come out during special occasions. Maybe, not even Thanksgiving sometimes, but there's like the special salt and pepper and it gets stored someplace. You know, they're shakers. They get special salt and shake, you know, and they're there. And, <clears throat> oh, look what I found. Oh, let's see what that salt, ugh. It has no taste. It's, it's worthless. In fact, it's clumped together in the salt shaker. Are you with me? You see, that's the picture of how salt loses saltiness is it just getting clumped together, stagnant, staying in the shaker, becoming worthless as long as it stays in the salt shaker. So too it is for us. We lose our saltiness. We lose what God's called us to. We become worthless if all we do is keep our salt in the salt shaker. 
if all we do is just come here on Sunday morning and meet and never get out of the salt shaker. So too as it deals with being light. It means nothing if that light, in the same way we talked about salt, if that light is hidden under a bowl or a basket so that no one can see it. We've got to get out of our boxes and light up the streets. And one of the ways that we can saturate our neighborhood is by walking and praying as we go by each house, saturating in the area, so to speak, by uh, it, two things. And that's part of what we'll be doing next Saturday is these two things by bringing the, bringing the blessing of God and being a blessing of God. We'll talk a little bit more about what that means or how, what that looks like. But as we do this, it leads us to, and I probably could have put up here on the screen as well, that then we can share the blessing of God with them, the blessing who is God with them. Being the church does not just mean we gather together and worship. Being the church is outside of these walls to touch each home for Christ in our neighborhood, starting with our neighborhood, just across the tracks over here. In a sense, what we're doing is a little beyond just uh, prayer walking and praying. And we said that what we're looking at, we're going to do a little more than that as, as what we're going to give a gift to them and pray with them. But still, it's part of the steps of stepping out in prayer and being, uh, taking, uh, so to speak, lighting up our streets. I wonder if God would bless us in a similar way in that he did for Joshua. And I recognize these are not the same situations, but I know this is something that was in God's thoughts. Remember in Joshua chapter 1, verse 3, he says, Every place the sole of your foot will tread, I have given you. What if that were true? That every place the sole of our feet tread, God will give in. Not, not for us, not, not about us as a church, but for his namesake, for his kingdom. Because the fact is, the earth is the Lord and everything in it. But there's another fact. And the fact is that in this earth is also the enemy, Satan, who not only has footholds, but has strongholds in places all across in our neighborhoods. Well, throughout this valley, and the only way it's going to change is if we, his people, the light, go to the darkness. To see Jesus reign over all. Beginning with prayer. And not just prayer in our box. Here or in our homes. But to light up the streets with prayer. Stepping out with what would be called prayer walking. We've already been doing this in that neighborhood. And maybe some of you in your area has done this as well. It doesn't require any special training or classes. It's something that every Christian can do. Of course there are those that might not be physically able to walk, but you still can participate in other ways, like last Wednesday. Last Wednesday here, we did a prayer drive. You know, it, it, people got in the cars, and we headed over to our neighborhood here and just prayed as they drove. They might have stopped for a moment in the car and prayed as God led and went. You know, this opportunity, in much the same way as one would walk and pray. Prayer walk. 
It's not something we do for exercise. It's not something we do just to hang out with a friend and talk with them while we walk. Prayer walking is a time of conversational prayer between believers who are walking together with God. It doesn't have to be continual walking that we're involved in. There's times occasionally as led by the Holy Spirit, you know, just as you're thinking, you stop for a moment to focus our prayers on something specific in a certain place and then just move on to pray. So prayer walking is something that's low-key, low-profile. Some have said it's being on scene without making a scene. Right? That said, we're still praying out loud. We're still praying out loud as we're going because there's someone walking with us and we are to be agreeing in prayer, two or three, and we're being agreeing in prayer. So we've got to pray at least loud enough for the person beside us. But we don't have to be like Jonah going through the city of Nineveh and shouting it out to all to hear, you know. That's not what it's about. But it's about where two or three are gathered in my name. We know that, right? Matthew chapter 18. We've heard it before, 19 and 20, verses 19 and 20. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my, heaven, by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Now, We've been so conditioned often by our religion thinking, our churchianity kind of thinking, that we don't realize, you know what, Jesus' words there that I just read are not limited to praying together with other believers in a church building on Wednesday night and Sunday mornings. We're taking Jesus with us to light up the streets, beginning with prayer. To recognize that there are others in that neighborhood who not only uh, need that, but there are even other believers who may not just need something in their own lives, but uh, encouragement through prayer for them to step up and be the light on that street. Ultimately, if we're going to see God break through in lives, then we need to talk to God about people before we talk to people about God. Because their need is not for us to convince their head something. It is a heart that changes through that which is spiritual. Ultimately, we can't change the spiritual. We can only go to that spiritual realm in prayer and ask God to move. And then us to step in then us to step out into what God's plan would be for us as we talk to people about him. Here's the, here's the thing to think about when we think about prayer walking. We can say this, prayer walking is praying on sight with insight. How many of you heard that before? Some of you, not, not a lot, I'm surprised. Prayer walking is praying on sight with insight. We're not just praying for our community. We are praying in our community. As we walk on site as people of the kingdom, we are praying for God's kingdom to come, His will to be done right here. Right here. Not just on earth, but on earth right here, right now, this spot that I am walking on, I am praying that God's kingdom come, His will be done on earth, right in this spot, right on this street. 
as it is in heaven. We are praying on sight, right where we expect God to move in answer to prayers. By going on site, it helps us not to be sanitized by our holy huddles in a church setting, but like Jesus to get out to be where those who needed him most. It's like Jesus seeing the fields wide under harvest. It's by being on site, it is taking the blinders off. And hopefully by being on site, it communicates to our neighbors that at least in some way we care enough to take time out to pray. In the neighborhood. And we're hoping that we can communicate that care as we walk around and hand out a special gift this next Saturday. It may may seem like there's so much more that we could do, but you know what? There's not a whole lot more that's actually being done by anyone. And we begin to pray and showing we care even in that way. Praying on sight. Instead of just praying in our own home, we go out marching like Jericho style, right? Go out marching like Jericho style, praying for the walls to come down in that neighborhood, praying for the walls to come down in your neighborhood where you're at. Walls, not just walls between a church and the community, but ultimately we're talking about praying and where that meets is in spiritual walls coming down, not just in people's hearts between them and God, but spiritual walls where the enemy has walled off and claimed territory that is zone, but is not. We're lighting up our streets, dispelling the darkness as lights for Jesus. The need is real. The need is real. We have passages like 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. We want to see Jesus' mission fulfilled, captive set free. And it's got to begin somewhere where it's rooted in the spiritual realm and is affected first and foremost by prayer, which is why we read later in 2 Corinthians in chapter 10 and verse 3, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. For the weapons that we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Amen? Now, I can say, do you believe that? And everybody go, amen. But when was the last time you actively, actually believed it and took action on that? Going on site helps us. It helps us to be nearer so that we might be clearer with insight. Uh, Please understand this in no way is saying that somehow God is able to answer our prayers in a greater way by us going there. But by us going there, we are able to pray in a greater way. It doesn't change God, but it changes us. We get insight. as to how to pray like Paul in Acts in Athens. When Paul was in, in Athens, before he went and, and preached before them, he walked around and he looked and he gained insight. And so in Acts chapter 17 in verse 22... And 23, we read this. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at the objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. 
So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. Insight you gain to be able to share with them. By being in the place that we are praying for, it helps our thoughts to get off of ourselves and on and, and our problems and focus on to other people. So many times our prayers would be so much quicker if we said, you know what, we need to pray for our neighborhood. You might say, what, two sentences, three? But when you're walking on sight and you begin to have insight into how to pray, it changes things. It changes us. It changes what God's going to do because it changes how we pray. It helps us to better understand how to pray. It gets an ideas that we see things that we would not have seen. Uh, for example, as we think about our neighborhood over there, it's, it's not that that's, this is going to be a surprise to those who live in Oil City area or in some of these areas. There's some serious hillside. And not just serious hillside, but some of the steps and things up to the houses are not so serious. It's, it's rough to get up some of those places. And you think about those who might be disabled. You think about those who are older. Maybe they've lived there their whole lives, but how are they managing? I know that was, it was a help when uh, the group went out during the big, the big snowstorm and helped to shovel a number of different people out to be able to get to their houses. Because that's not easy. You might be walking along and you see, hey, there's a whole bunch of kids stuff out in the yard. You know, okay, that gives you some insight of how to pray for that home. At least a little more insight on how to do it. To see with human eyes the, the buildings. To see uh, whether it's signs or graffitis or anything that might give us greater insights in how to pray. Listening. What do we see? Not just in the physical world, but what do we see and hear spiritually? Hopefully with insight that we would gain. Kind of like Joshua and Caleb. Hopefully not like the rest of the, uh, those who went into the promised land who looked with earthly human eyes and all they could do was see giant problems, right? But like Joshua and Caleb, we walk and we see through heavenly eyes knowing that we have an awesome God and He is bigger and He is greater than any problem, than any need, not just of me, but of those around me of those in that neighborhood, of those in your neighborhood. We want to pray with insight that comes from the Holy Spirit to be able to help us to pray as we ought. And we recognize in Romans 8, 26, it says the Holy Spirit will help us. So as we are walking and praying, we're looking for the Holy Spirit to give us insight to help us. And I still some, there, there's still maybe some like, I'm just, okay, I kind of get that I'd see some things, I prayed there, and that I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit, but... But I, you just would feel better if you had like something. How do I, uh, you like things kind of spelled out for you. So I'm going to spell out how to bless your neighbors, your coworkers, whoever you may be praying for. Here it is. B-L-E-S-S. I'm literally spelling it out. Actually, it's not for me. But you see any of the different ways that are listed right here. If you want to bless them, pray B. Their body, that, which means the health, the protection, strength. Pray L for labor, their, their work, as they're working. Um, income, providing for, financial security, 
E, emotionally, pray for the, their health, their emotional health, the quality of life, for joy, peace, and hope. S, the social, for relationships with families and friends, and even if co-workers if it's praying at, co- at, at work. The final S, spiritually praying for their salvation, to grow in faith in Jesus Christ. Notice that what's up on the screen here is on the sermon notes. So if you didn't pick that up, you still can when you head out or even now. Hopefully, uh, we get to the advantage of praying on-site with insight. Yet there still may be some saying, but, but, but do we really have to go on-site? Can't we just pray in our homes? Obviously, we can pray in our homes. Can't we just pray here at church? Yeah, obviously we can. But we're not going to gain that kind of insight that's there when we're on-site. And here's the other thing is that when we're on site, one of the insights we gain is God's heart. If we just stay here, we just stay in our homes, our heart does not become as burdened for those people as it does when we're there. Walking and praying, God's blessing doesn't just change What's going on there? It changes us, our attitudes and our actions. We're, we're doing this not just out of obedience because we love God with everything we've got. We're doing it not just out of obedience because the second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, all that is there. But, but that love your neighbor as yourself becomes more real when we're walking where our neighbor walks. We're seeing what our neighbor sees. Sure, we could pray here, but there's a difference. I, I was thinking about it, thinking about the difference, thinking about the difference. Like, like think about a grandparent and a grandchild. I've had that, I know not everybody can, but I've had that experience in recent times, right? And so I just think about it. I can pray. Well, let's ask, ask you. I mean, if you were to put yourself in my shoes or anybody's shoes. We can pray for our grandchildren in the comfort of our own home while they are miles and miles away. And we actually know them, and so we can pray for them, and, and that, that can be a good thing. But if you had a choice, would you rather just stay in your comfortable home and pray for them? Or would there be something better about praying for and with them right where they are in your presence, either them coming to visit you or you going to visit them. Would you rather just pray when they're not around or would you rather pray with them around? I I would hope nobody would think any other answer is applicable except I would much rather have them right there as I'm praying. We engage in a different way when they're right there with us than we engage in prayer when they're away. So too with other people. Praying right there. She praying as we're walking the neighborhood that God would give us his heart. And not just for the neighborhood. We should be praying that God would give us his heart for the city, this county, this valley. 
I think about Jesus as he walked. Remember when he looked over Jerusalem in Matthew 23 and, and his heart was breaking and wanted to take him under his wing as like, a, as like a mother hen. Or in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. When he saw them, not that Jesus didn't already love them, not that Jesus didn't already have compassion, but when he saw them, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. We need to see through Jesus' eyes. Obviously, this is not just about the neighborhood that's closest to our physical church building, but it's about the neighborhoods who are close to our church. And guess what? What is the church? That's not the right question, is it? Who is the church? Each one of you. OCCA exists all over this valley. There are lighthouses, points of light, all throughout. Not just in our neighborhoods, but in our workplaces, in our schools. And we need to intercede on behalf of others before the throne of God. Because for many of them, they're not. We need to intercede because really that's what God's called us to do in so many places in His Word. Even as you think about 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, he says this, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Hopefully we have not limited our prayers to just our own little world that revolves around ourselves. Which is why it's so much easier to pray beyond our own little world when we get out of our own little world and go to the streets to light it up. As we prayer walk, we get insight. And, and as we do that, we write these things down. As we might talk with people and, and, and we have, uh, there's a, some of us that have walked through that neighborhood and talk with people and pray with them. And we're writing down those and remembering where they're at and being able to follow up and continue to pray. And, and hopefully as we do this over time, we will not only see how we can pray for what God can do, but over time we will see what God has done as his people light up the streets, beginning with prayer. Some may think this whole thought of, not some may, apparently there are some, who are out there who think this whole thought of prayer walking and praying is something that we just shouldn't do. They would say, really, what we've been told to do is just to stay in our prayer closet and pray privately and silently. They would use Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 5 and 6 as their way of, uh, of their thinking. And, they, and it, Jesus says this in Matthew 6, verse 5, just to be fair. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So they read that, and just that's the one verse. I mean, that's the whole thing. You go in, you just read that, and not put it in, not only in context of what that Jesus is talking about, but not even in context with the rest of the scriptures. Not even put that. But if you just read it and say, well, you know what? We are just supposed to privately and silently pray. 
That's what some would have you believe. But they're missing, first of all, the point of the context. The reason Jesus was even saying anything regarding the prayer was not to put people in their closets alone silently praying, but to put the Pharisees in their place where they belong because they've been showing off in public by their prayer. Jesus is condemning the hypocrisy of prayer that is seen there, the pretense, the pretending to be spiritual, the proud, look at me kind of uh, person that is praying instead of look at God. Jesus condemning these, these throwing up of religious words that are just empty prayers. They're just praying for men and not to God. The other obvious response to someone who would say, you know what, prayer walking, that we're not supposed to do that. We just need to pray in our closet is that that's not what the rest of the context of the Bible talks about. When we read so many different places, Jesus prayed out loud public, John 17. Remember Jesus praying with Lazarus as he was coming forth from the tomb before he came forth from the tomb. Look at Elijah. Elijah has some pretty public prayers that went on. Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16 were put in jail and it says they were praising God and praying. And it says in verse 25 that all the prisoners were listening to them. They could hear them praying. I'm sure down deep in the dungeon, they could have just been like, let's just whisper the prayer. We can't get into our closet, but maybe we can just whisper so nobody will hear us. No! You think about the early church so many times. It says they join together constantly in prayer. They didn't join together and say, okay, let's all get together and let's exchange prayer requests. Okay, you got the prayer request? Now, everybody go to their own closet in their own home and pray. We're to pray together. And it's beyond this praying together, not just in our box, but getting outside of the box and lining up the streets with prayer. Jesus is not calling people to closet prayers and being closet Christians. Here's the thing. It is time for our prayers to come out of the closet. Are you with me? It is time for our prayers to come out of the closet. It's time to take our prayers to the streets, beyond the walls of this church building, to put feet to our prayers, to light it up. I know some will be thinking... Uh, Okay, okay, I hear what you're saying, but, you know, this whole thing, does it really work? I mean, you know, this prayer walk, does it really work? All right, I, I want us to think about that question for a second, because what is it? This is not about a method. This is not something new. What is it that we are doing? We are walking and we are praying. And so when somebody asks, does it work? You're basically asking, does prayer work? And I hope you know the answer to that question. That God does work in answer to prayers. You know, I want to call all who are going to be around anywhere in these parts, this valley, next Saturday to gather together here at noon as a church. I know there are some of you that are not able to walk, but guess what? You can still pray and you, somebody needs to hold up the team as it goes out in prayer. You can pray even here to help 
feed the church and light up the streets. The purpose, by the way, when we go out next Saturday, is not to get them to come to our church. Our purpose is not to pressure them into coming to Christ like we're going to yank the fruit off of the vine before it's ready for harvest. But obviously we're going to pray for divine appointments, that God would arrange opportunities. And should, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, they ask certain questions and conversation goes that way, then so be it. But we want them to know that we're not out there in the community, out there in our, our neighborhood, because that is our neighborhood. We're not out there to get something from them. We're not trying to promote our church. We're just trying to shine the light of Christ's love. Sent out in, in ways similar to the way Jesus sent out the disciples, two by two, or we can go out three by three. And we're bringing a, a blessing of this uh, gift bag, this free gift we have in here. There's a letter that says it's a gift for you and explains what that it's all about and what we're doing as well. Our, our gift is uh, movie and popcorn. So the movie is Jesus movie. Uh, there's three different ones on here, but it's been viewed by five billion people worldwide. I think it was a billion that was on there, not million. Five billion people worldwide. So hey, we're going to give you, especially at this time of Easter where people are, are, are at least going to be thinking or wondering about this Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. We're going to give this gift. But also, we don't want to just bring a blessing to you. We want to be a blessing and to pray for you. So how can we pray for you? By the way, when we go out, you don't have to wear dark suits or white shirts. Just saying. Just, just dress normally as you would uh, what you would normally wear. And deliver these gift bags to the doors. And you will be with someone else. We just want them to know that God cares. I mean, why, we're going to pray for them. Pray, and not just pray for them, but pray with them. You would be surprised. Even people who pray themselves or who believe, so to speak, in prayer. You know, and if they don't, that's okay. We do, right? Um, but if, they, if those who believe, even those who believe in prayer, you'd be surprised how many people out there have never once in their entire life had somebody, oh yeah, people have said they pray for them, but they have never once in their entire life had somebody pray with them right then and there that God would move in their life, that God would bless them, that God would meet that need that is overwhelming them. And when we walk this uh, area, I know Lee can attest to this, there are some serious, heavy things going on in people's lives. And we were the first time that person not only probably had somebody pray for them, but the first time somebody had ever prayed with them. Lighting up the street. This next Saturday is that opportunity. Take that next step to light it up. Uh, as we get here at noon, there'll be prayer. There'll be some guidance on how to do this and what we're doing and all that will be. It'll all be clear. Don't worry. But hopefully we can help as 
through prayer, it leads us into ways that we can care. And as we write down these requests so that we can continue to pray, it may be that there's a, a common thread that we're going to be listening for. Is there a common thread of a need over in that area that God wants to use us in to help many? I ask that the worship team would come. You know, the promise of God's love is not something we want to keep to ourselves. His love is so great. And that's what we're about ready to celebrate right here at communion. We know when we come to this time of communion, we're reminded of Christ's death for us. We're reminded of his great love. Even though he was innocent, he didn't deserve it. When we did, he died for us. He showed his love and sacrifice. It is in these moments that we really need to grasp what moves us out of our box to light up our streets is not just some message that you hear from a pastor saying, yeah, I should do that. It should be the love of God that has come into our hearts. to realize how good God is to us. The scene and the symbols of our elements of communion. He would take out the bread in much the same way Jesus took and broke the bread on the night that he was betrayed, showing the full extent of his love to us. And he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take Indeed. Lord, you are so good, and we thank you. In many ways, you didn't just die in our place, it's how you died. still your enemies still in darkness but you died in our place to light up us and we thank you for the blessing not only the bread but the blessing of the cup here your blood that covers over that not only gives to us and brings to us a cleansing, a forgiveness of sins, but a power over sins, a power of the blood of Jesus over the enemy. Because on that cross, you defeated the enemy and all of his powers. And you were seated high above
so poignant right now to each of us. And that same night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the cup and he blessed that this cup represents my blood, which is shed for the remission of sins for you to take and eat. Before we finish out the service, there are a couple of things here. You notice that you've been given candles. You're probably wondering what's going on with that. That's good. I'm glad you're wondering. That you're paying attention here. You know what? We've been with the Lord at His table. We've been in His presence. I think of Isaiah in chapter 6 where he was there in the presence in verse 1 in the year that King Uzziah died I saw the Lord seated on a throne high and exalted and his train of the robe filled the temple and he talks about there in verse 3 about the, the angels and calling holy 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 is the Lord almighty the whole earth is filled with his, filled with his glory and in his presence Isaiah says verse 5 woe to me I am ruined, I'm a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. In much the way, same way, hopefully there's a sense that as we came before His presence, we recognize all that He's done and who Jesus is and who we are and that we need that cleansing, that we need that forgiveness. But Isaiah didn't stop there. It didn't stop there with Isaiah because just the next verse about the Sarah's blue and a live coal in his hand, taking the tongs, and with it he touched my mouth. And he said, this is touch your lips, your guilt is taken away, your sins atoned for. All of that we think about what just took place in communion. But the very next verse, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who shall go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. Being in the Lord's presence, receiving this forgiveness and all that is not just for ourselves. It doesn't stop there. There's something more that goes beyond there. We're reminded in communion of that sacrifice that he had for us. And, and it is because of that love, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us, Christ's love compels us. Compels us to talk to others because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. We're not just good people who got made better by Jesus. We are dead people. We were dead people in our sins who were made alive. We were in the dark that have been brought into the light. First Peter 2 says that we have been called out of darkness into his wonderful light. Or Ephesians 5, you once were darkness, but now you're in the light in the Lord. Live as children as the light. How can we, who have been taken out and called out of the darkness and brought into the light, not take our light to those who are in the darkness yet? To be like, like Paul's vision, uh, mission, so to speak, in Acts chapter 26, where he says that his mission was to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those which are sanctified by faith. And Jesus, we are the light. We need to shine. You may feel like, can we really do anything? In fact, uh, 
Keith, actually turn the lights off in here. I had asked uh, three different people to, uh, you got the candle, go ahead and light that. Those of you who have, and we can turn the lights down here a little bit as well. And those who, who have lit, you can either hold it up or stand up with your light, whichever. Works. I mean, I feel like it doesn't do much difference, but it is one light that is noticeable. How many of you can, I mean, obviously the one isn't lit yet. <laughs> but anybody having trouble seeing the light over here? Anybody have trouble seeing the candle over there? It may not seem that bright, but there's no trouble seeing where there is light in the darkness. We can add to that. We add to that. I, I want you to think about it this way. John, who has a light over here, where you live in your neighborhood, you're the candle. For those here, Marsha, where you live, you're the candle. Steve, you're the candle in your area. You're the light there. And what you will notice that I have placed in some various places throughout the sanctuary are candles just on seats. Anybody see those beside them? Raise your hand. You see some candles beside seats around you? those candles and there's no way for us to be for me to uh, see from from here but those candles that you have have never been lit which means they have not yet received the light of Christ in their life there are people yet people that you have yet to invite not only to Christ but even perhaps yet to invite here people in your neighborhood the candle is there see we're the candle but Jesus is a light and he lights us lights us and together it, it, it can just grow beyond this in Matthew chapter 5 that we read earlier it says this in verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Some of you are probably wondering, you know, why is he wearing that? That outfit? This is my light of the world cloth. It literally is. You can't read it because in English you can't read what it, it, it's not in English what it says, but it's from Molly. And the Mali Church makes these different cloths throughout the year, especially at Easter time, and they sell the cloth then uh, to their different people to support missions. But here's the thing. This is this light of the world cloth, and some of you probably thought, ooh, maybe you've not even seen this before, so you're probably really thinking, that's a little different. I don't know. You know, you wear that. How about I walk down the street wearing this with you? You say, well, Okay, you know, you're the pastor. Uh, <laughs> but I, th I think that's the way some of us are as we think about Christ in us. 
we are the light and, and, and we, we're, we're, we're okay with wearing the light of the world shirt when we're in church and with other Christians but if we go out there we're not so sure we want to wear this and so what we think then is what we do is what we think we're doing is if I'm going to go out there then I'm going to change first I'm not going to do this but you know what you can't change you are the light of the world Jesus is not telling us there to be light he says you are light this is not, and to think of what I'm wearing here is not a shirt, but this is me. It's not coming off. It can't come off because I am light. And so the only thing that I could possibly do, the only thing that I could possibly do when I walk out of here, obviously is not take that off. Instead, I can put something over and cover it up. Which is what Jesus said. No one takes a light and covers it up. The bowl. I cover this up. And then people won't see it and I won't look weird and people won't think something. I won't stand out. By the way, I picked what looks like a judge's robe because a lot of times that's what we do as Christians when we walk out of here, hide our light, but curse the darkness and how bad things are and how everything is out there we judge versus being the light. So what you do is just that person that has that light there, Let's just start lighting it all the way around. Just kind of go to them, them come to you. Remember to turn the unlit candle towards the lit, lit one, unlit towards the lit. And all of us light up our candles here this day. that it makes as many lights come together. Now, when you look over here to this section, John is still over there with his candle, but it looks much different, doesn't it? You can see so much more and it seems so much brighter as together light, those who are light gather together. And I want us to really get this because some people are thinking, wait a minute. I thought he was going to have us like lighter candles if we wanted to go out prayer walking or we, we should light the candle. If we're going to be a light for Jesus, then go ahead and light your candle. You know, that would seem like a real a way to do the sermon. You know, everybody make a commitment, and get your candle lit. But if you heard what I was saying earlier was your candle is already lit if you know Christ Jesus. The question is not whether you're going to go out there with your light. The question is whether you're going to cover it up when you go out. Or whether you're going to be the light, bring the light, share the light, show the light. Let's stand together carefully. 
As we close with this song, in many ways a prayer, what God wants us to do, we do have to make a decision. It's not a matter of whether you're going to be the light. You can't turn it on and off. Because Jesus in you is that light. You can't turn that on and off. The question is, are you willing to let it shine? Today, tomorrow, including next Saturday, to our whole city, to the valley. And see, God, just as that light started from one candle here, one candle there, one candle there, as that light spread across our whole sanctuary, that the light of Jesus would spread across our whole valley changed forever. Say 